Okay. Hello, hello, hello. Hello, hello, hello. Hi. Hello. Hi. Welcome. I'm trying to pin the topic. Yay. Okay. So I am now going to bring Akan up. Okay. So waiting for Akan to join us. And if it's, this is your first time joining, this is how I got funded series here on Ingressive Capital. And we get to talk to founders on how they got funds to start their businesses. So I'm waiting for Akan to join. But in the meantime, you can probably drop questions if you have any questions for him. We'll be talking about how he got funds to start his business. And my name is Jessica, just in case. <laughs> okay, I'm still waiting for Akan to join. Hmm. Not sure what's happening. Mm. Still waiting for him to join. Hmm. Okay, and here he is. <laughs> awesome. Yay. Can you hear me? How are you doing? Yes, I can hear you loud and clear. Great. So how are you? I'm doing pretty well. It's just a regular, regular, regular work Friday here. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's almost the end of the day, though. So I guess weekend. But the founders have weekend, though. <laughs> I feel like they're always... <laughs> <laughs> Okay. So thank you very much for joining um, so you already know what we're talking about, how you got funded, how you got funded to start big deal you're doing right now with Evolve Credit. But then let's start first with you telling us about who you are, and then of course about Evolve Credit and what you do. Sure. I'm Akan Nelson. <laughs> <laughs> I'm founder Credit. I'm also CEO. And Evolve Credit is an online marketplace that connects borrowers and lenders. So if you or your business needs any kind of credit, a loan, an overdraft, anything like that, we will connect you um, to an institutional lender or an individual lender who will be able to support you. And that's what we do. Great. That sounds like so much good thing. I mean, everybody's looking for money. So you helping me with that is like awesome. But then how did you have this great idea to start? Evolve Credit, like, how did it come to you? Well, um, so how, what got me thinking about credit is when you look at um, kind of other economies in the world and how they recover from recessions or depressions or that sort of thing, at the end of the day, it boils down to making cash available to people and businesses. So you can call it a stimulus check, you can call it a bailout, you can call it unemployment benefits, but at the end of the day, it's, it's giving people money that they can then use to leverage um, to either grow their businesses or um, offset their cash flow. So that got me thinking like, hey, is it possible to help people here in Nigeria, in Africa, improve their standard of living um, by, getting, by making it easier for them to access credit? Um, and, um, then, you know, we said, well, do we want to be a lender? And then I realized, well, there are thousands of licensed entities in Nigeria that are licensed by the central bank already, right? Um, so even though more credit is needed, these institutions are there. So how do we get, how do we help borrowers and people know all of their options? How do we connect them um, to the thousands of institutional lenders they are? And then beyond that, we know that when people need money now, they borrow from family and friends. So the informal lending market is huge. So it was beyond that. How do we then enable that informal lending market and enable individuals who might want to lend 
2,000, 5,000, 10,000 Naira to someone else? How do we create a safe system that allows them to do that and lend beyond their small family circle or circle of friends? And so that was how we started thinking about it. It was very, the idea was very messy in the beginning and we're still refining it. But then I called up my co-founder, Daniel um, Oshine, and then we just started building. Oh, wow. That's like just I building. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you had this amazing idea, but I can definitely think of someone who wants to start a business and is scared, most especially scared of funds. How am I going to get money to get this running? Because, I mean, you have this big idea, but then how do you get it out there? I mean, you need marketing, you need, team, you need a team, so you needed money to do all of that. So how did you conquer the first, conquer the fear of funds for your business? Um... I mean, to be honest, the, the fear is always there and it never goes away. So how we started is, um, so at the time I was, I, was, I was working, I was working with United Bank for Africa. So I had a humble salary and, and Daniel, was, Daniel was a student. And so he had, um, I think from his scholarship, he had like a student stipend. So between the two of us, we had some resources and then we were able to kind of um, gather a little bit of money. And I'm, when I say a little bit of money, I'm talking in the hundreds of thousands of Naira. So not millions like of Naira. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so so just, just hundreds of thousands of Naira um, from like family and friends. And that was how we were able to afford um, I think to, to get our first engineer on board. And even at that, we were paying significantly below the market rate for engineers. He's still with us and, and we're glad that he stayed on. Um, but it was, it was rough in the beginning. And then we were very fortunate. Once we had, once we had built a prototype, an MVP, um, that allowed us to start talking to, to venture capital funds that specialize in supporting um, startups at the very, very, very early stage. And so in our case, we got connected to MicroTraction. Um, and for, I would be, I mean, if you're in, if you're plugged into the startup space, you already know who they are. Um, but if not MicroTraction, they're, they're, they're a venture capital fund that specializes in writing um, checks around the $20,000 range to very, very early stage startups. So like if you just have a prototype and you know you're like one month old they'll they'll take a bet on you um if they're interested and so that that was how that was how it started i had not been active in the tech community beforehand uh, my co-founder daniel who writes all our code he had been but we didn't necessarily have connections and i think um what the how we got connected to microtraction was um a good friend of mine um, was able to, who's also in the space, was able to make a referral, was, was able to make a referral and, and that, uh, that, that referral was what even let us know who Microtraction was. So I, I'd say like one big takeaway is in the space, sure, sending out cold emails is fine. Um, but I think in the very, very beginning, if you can find someone who is really in the tech industry in any way. They don't even need to be in management or leadership. They just need to be like somewhere in the ecosystem. If you can get a hold of them and ask and ask them if they'd be willing to connect you to someone, you can like hop through referrals. If you're lucky, your first referral will get you in contact to a VC. If not, one or two jumps will get you there. Um, and I think that is a much more effective strategy and will save you a lot of heartache than trying to like cold dm people on twitter or cold dm people on linkedin because these people who would be writing the checks get hundreds of messages every day just like that um yeah I, i'll stop there but that was how we got our first check <laughs> uh, uh, you said a lot and i have like a bunch of questions to ask but i'd like to go back a bit and that would be after you and your co-founder had gotten money to start off how long did that last? And at what point did you know that it was time for you to get external funds, you know, like? Sure. So, so um, the first $20,000 check, um, and it lasted us about 10 months, I think. Um, but that's because we really stretched it. So, so for, those, for those 10 months, 
um, or I think maybe eight out of those 10 months, I was working a day job. I was working a nine to five. Um, and Daniel was in school. And so what that meant is we were really work and uh, we were really just like working at night. So we weren't sleeping. So we would work. Um, we would fulfill our day obligations during the day and then really just like spend all night working on this. And then the engineer, the one engineer we had hired would be working like throughout the day. Um, and we didn't have any office space. This was before COVID, but we were still all working remotely. I was here in Lagos. Daniel um, was also in Lagos and the first engineer was in Enugu. Um, and so when we decided that, okay, now it's time to raise additional funding was um, when I think we, so the, the first thing we set out building, we, we were building an app that let people access loans at the point of sale, right? So you download an app, get instant access to um, like 20,000 Naira, and then from select merchants who accept us as a form of payment, you could buy, buy stuff from them. Um, that was what we started it with, but there were some issues there. And I think we decided that we needed to raise more funds when we had a clear sense that, okay, this isn't working what we're doing now, but over the last nine months, we've learned A, B, and C, right? And off the back of what we've learned, we feel like we want to pivot into this direction. And so the pivot was into creating a marketplace that connects borrowers to the multiple lenders in the market. Um, and so off that, we felt that we had A, enough experience, B, enough skin in the game because I quit my job, um, and then C, um, just enough expertise about the industry to begin to talk intelligently um, to VCs who would be able to write larger checks, $50,000, um, $200,000, that kind of thing. And, but I would say that it's different for everyone. Um, so you want to really, my recommendation would be raise a little bit of money first. Um, if you can get away with raising it from your circle of family and friends, just do that. Because um, you, you probably need like maybe like 2000 5000 maybe $10,000, depending on the kind of product, to build out an MVP and figure out like if people want this. Um, and um, once you have a sense of what you want to do, then I think you can now begin to talk to VCs and, and try to raise more funding. But it's really different for everyone. I know startups in the ecosystem who within three months of existence, they'd raised $500,000, for example, um, because they got validation from the market very, very, very early. So I, I'd say it depends, but that was how we did it. Wow, wow, that sounds like a lot. But then I'd like to like talk a bit about it. For anyone who just joined, Akan is talking to us about how he got funds to start his business, which is Evolve Credit, and how he's been scaling ever since. So far, he's spoken to us about getting funds, which was first with his co-founder putting together their money. I think that's actually awesome to say because a lot of people want investors to invest in their business, but they forget that the first thing you need to do is actually invest in yourself and show how much you've done with what you put in. And I can also mention, you know, his first investor being Microtraction, and they believed in mm -hmm. him. So I'd like to go back to that part here. So... What did you do that made them believe in you? I mean, some of us have ideas and we just need people to believe in us. And <laughs> I, think that's the, I think that's a problem because not many people can believe in you. So how did you get them to believe in you and want to back you or back your business, basically? And, and Jessica, I'll say like one thing you said that I think is really important before I answer your question okay. is that like you have to back yourself first. So everyone wants everyone to support their dream but everyone is busy supporting their own dream, right? Like exactly. most, people, most people only have enough time to really support themselves. Um, and I think, I think what uh, one advantage that Evolve Credit had, and I think that I had, is that once I realized that, once we realized that we were, we were really doing this tech thing and we wanted to start a tech company in Nigeria, um, then I started really connecting with a lot of people who I looked up to in the industry, who were like around the same age, um, had started companies, but were maybe one or two steps above. So they had raised maybe a seed round or had raised a series A round. 
um, but they but they were not so far off like their companies were not billion dollar companies that it would be a waste of time uh it would be a waste of their time <laughs> you know for, for for me to be engaging them to ask them all these questions and so these were some of the people who helped me because i was totally green so they helped me with the very early stuff how do you how do you put together a pitch deck how do you how are you raising money are you raising money in equity are you using safe notes um, these are basic questions, but questions that might not actually be very clear, the answers to which might not be very clear if you just started. So when they had kind of given me a crash course in foundering, um, they were able, um, I think, they, so going into the conversation with microtraction, I now had a very, very, I had, I had answers, right? Mm -hmm. So the, the questions they had, I was able to respond like a founder. And because I had been grilled and drilled by kind of these, I call them peer mentors. Many of them are still my friends and peer mentors because I had been grilled and I practiced so much with them. Um, um, I think Microtraction were, I think they were impressed by that. I think the referral I got and the recommendation I got was also very, very strong. Um, and I cannot place enough emphasis on referrals. And I want to say a referral is different from a connection. You get what I mean? Because we're talking about money here and no one is going to give you money because they're your friend or because someone who is their friend told them to give you money. Um, but a, a really strong referral or a really strong recommendation it, at that very early stage sounds like this. It'll sound like, hey, Jessica's working on something really cool. I don't know if what she's working on is going to work, but Jessica is re I think she's very smart and really persistent and tenacious and whatever she works on is going to work out in the end. So please at least hear her out. That is an extremely strong recommendation. And that's, that's usually what a recommendation or, or a referral will sound like. And I think I got one or two of those. The first, the first um, connection we got to microtraction, they actually didn't respond, I think. Um, and so it was, it was on the back of the second referral um, that they then had the meeting. So I think that was the second thing. So the, the first was that I was very, that we were very well prepared. The second, uh, well prepared, practiced, and we had a prototype. The second was that um, we got strong referral. And then I think the third was, there was later that we were willing to be scrappy and gritty. So the first call with microtraction, I was in the, <laughs> I mean, well, now I guess I could talk about it, but I was at work. Right. It was in the middle of the day. Um, I literally snuck out of the meeting I was in into like one of like a tiny room I could find um, and took the call there. And I explained, hey, I have 20 minutes for this call. Um, so let's power through. And I think um, something about that is really inspiring, um, at least for me, when you see someone else who's against all obstacles, against like the challenges in their environment is willing to push forward. Um, so I think they were inspired by that. But by no means was it like clean and easy. And it was very messy. It was very messy and it was unclear. Um, but it took, I think the, there was a first pitch and then a second pitch with the wider microtraction team. Um, and then they, they decided to come in. Amazing, amazing stuff. I've learned a lot. I mean, I'm not a founder, but I have learned so much from listening to you. Talk about referrals, talk about, you know, backing yourself up. Talk about, you know, learning from your mates. I mean, you don't have to wait until you get to the big guys to get mentored. If you have people who are on your level, that know more and they can actually help you. Thank you very much for sharing that. Now, let's go back to the funds. Now, you have microtraction, but is microtraction the only one backing you or backing the business? <laughs> of course not. So, um, I think, uh, so, okay, so we raised for microtraction and then when we when we were really sure about what, what we wanted to do um we started we then went we started our pre-seed round i think around may and we have a host of brilliant investors who came on board um ingressive capital of which is <laughs> of, who's setting up this interview so um I'll, I'll i'll list out the people who came on board and then i think it might be helpful to maybe talk about why um, we picked these VCs and why I think us because we didn't say yes to everyone who offered us money. In wow. fact, um, I think it's useful to note that 
So we went in, so we ended up raising $300,000 a pre-seed, but our original plan was just to raise $200,000. And one of the first investors we spoke to, we can't name, of course, they offered us the entire round, right? They offered us the entire round um, and we had to decline because the terms didn't make sense to us at the time. So at, at at the very early stage, you shouldn't be, no one should be asking you for a board seat, all right, in my and this is this this is not financial advice. This is just my opinion, right? But a board seat, or they want to give you the money, but then they're saying they'll give you in tranches based on milestones. No, you believe in me or you don't. You want to back my team and I or you don't. There's no. It's like telling someone, "Oh, I love you, but I only love you after you finish that university degree," right? <laughs> or I only I only love you after you know you start making X amount of money. No. It's, I'm investing in you, and here's the check. Um, Or if it's going to come in different amounts, then it shouldn't be conditional. It should just be, oh, you know, the nature of how our money is set up is coming from different countries or whatever. And so it has to come in different amounts. But so so we we declined that. But eventually, um, we were very fortunate to have who, in my opinion, are some of the best VCs on the continent. So Ingressive Capital... Um, Future Africa, um, Samurai Incubate, they're a Japanese firm. Um, and then there was uh, Magic, Magic VC and Berrywood Capital. Anyone who's interested in any of these VCs, I'd let you Google them maybe, and then you can see who's behind them. Um, you, they're, they're, all, they're usually associated to some, I think, really excellent players in the industry who have built companies themselves. And so that was one of the first things we were looking for is being a founder is incredibly difficult. It's really tasking um, physically because like, you know, you're not sleeping a lot, not eating very well, but also mentally and emotionally um, because you're getting no's every day. You're getting rejections every day. The wins are super high, right? And the lows are super low. And so you're doing, even within one day, you can be like really up and really down, right? Um, and it was really important to me that the people who would be investing their money in me, hoping, hoping that I multiplied it by a hundred or a thousand, <laughs> um, <laughs> that they had done something similar in the past. Yeah. And, and so understood what I was going through because there's a way you talk to people when you understand what they've gone through. So, Ingressive Capital, for example, I think um, had people who had seen a lot, had worked with, so Ingressive Capital had, had worked with founders who I really respected. Um, and those founders had assured me that, okay, this, like, this team is ethical and has empathy and like, they'll treat you well. Um, Future Africa, everyone knows Ie Boyeje and the work he did, Mandela and Flutterwave. And so that one was clear to me. It was like, okay, this guy gets it. Um, he's still building, um, you know, he'd, 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 he'd be hard, but cut me some slack. Um, and then um, Samurai Incubate, um, um, Rena Yoneyama, who's the analyst there, they had had lots of experience working with Japanese startups. And I think just the startup culture in Japan in general, the business scene there, um, is uh, it? It's more focused on le- on kind of like learning from, like learning from mistakes as opposed to like hitting it, hitting the home run the first time around. And so that also gave me some comfort. So that was the first thing I looked for. Like these people who are investing in me, have they operated a business before? And if they've operated a business, have they operated a startup before? Right. Um, so I, I, was, I looked for that. I also really talked around. So I would say if you're trying to raise money, talk. Like when you're talking to a VC, go to their website, look at their portfolio, try to get an introduction to any of the founders there um, in the portfolio companies and talk to them. Founders talk to themselves a lot and you can trust what another founder says. Um, I had, I had, founders who were on the portfolio of a particular company that we were talking to who told me don't take money from these people (laughs) you know uh (laughs) right um or or, i mean they said something to the effect of don't don't take an investment from this firm unless you really have to right unless you're really in a fix um so talk to other founders definitely don't go in blind um 
talk to other founders also so that you can get a sense of what kind of deals that firm does. Um, so you can know whether the firm is, is giving you kind of like a fair deal or whether they're treating you really well, because that can also be a really good sign. It means they really want to work with you or whether they're treating you really poorly, which means that you should probably negotiate um, a bit of a fairer deal. Um, yeah, but I think for me, those are the two things I looked for. I looked for um, have these people, do these people have operators in on their teams, people who've run startups before? Um, and um, what are other founders saying about them? And then there were other things that I think just apply across the board. How much money can they give, et cetera, et cetera. But I don't think those are pretty unique. Wow. Uh, I mean, from, from hearing you talk, it's obvious that you did loads of research and everyone who's back, like they're lucky to be on your team, you know, because you did the research and you decided, okay, I want you coming in, you coming in, you know, and I'm like, well done. That's really amazing. But then I noticed that you mentioned some really, really big companies talk about aggressive capital, talk about future Africa, you know, all these guys. I'm like, woohoo, you did work, you know. And so I want to know, does it mean your first, after, your, um, after bootstrapping with your founder, your co-founder, the next was straight to VC fund. There was no angel investor at any point, no family and friend. It was just VC immediately. You know, people usually say it's hard to get VC funds. And there I am seeing you from from your money to VC money. Is that it? Or am I, did I miss a part there? Um, so, you know, there's, I can't remember what it's called, but it's the bias that once you've accomplished something, there's a tendency to feel like it's easy or to, to underestimate the that went into it at the time. Um, so yes, Evolve Credit, we went directly from, from bootstrapping to, to raising VC funds. Um, but one thing I think to, to contextualize things a bit more is, so the first, after we raised the first check from Microtraction, which is a $20,000 check, technically, technically for the like, because that, that check came very early right um so technically for about eight or seven months i was trying to raise <laughs> um but couldn't right and in 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 that eight to seven seven to eight month period i probably got um between maybe something like 50 or 100 no's because you know because i was doing an, about a pitch every other day right and it was only when there was, and you know when it happens, there was a shift in the team where all of a sudden we were like, oh, we need to pivot because we now understand a lot, you know, a lot of things about how the market works and where, the, where there's the real opportunity to add value. That then I think there was like a three week period where all of these investors I've listed kind of committed to come in, right? Um, so I, I like to say that when it comes to raising money, especially if it's your first time, It'll happen very, very slowly for a long period, and then all at once in like, in like a one, in like a two week, one three week, one month period. Because what tends to happen is once you're able to get um, one strong commitment on board, especially if they wire the funds in, so you've received it. It then you're so psychologically you're uplifted, and then you're then able to go to the next VC come okay. right okay. and call and say that like see i've already received this i've already right um and we're looking to bring on more investors and it's, it's human psychology so when when you know that someone else has backed someone else and committed especially if you respect that firm if you know then it's easier to then you, you know to take the deal a little bit more seriously um so I think that there was definitely with us, there was definitely a bit of a domino effect. Um, we, we had worked very hard to it and deserved all the support we received. Um, but I think that there was also, um, right, I, I see someone here in the comments said FOMO. And, and I think that, that, that happens a lot. And, and um, I, I would say, but to, to talk about that a little bit, um, I think FOMO gets a bad rep. I think, um, when it comes to receiving funds, what FOMO really is, is it's signaling. It's saying that like, my business is on the upswing, right? Um, and 
if you want to get in at a price that you can afford or a value in, in, in when it comes to investors at a valuation you can afford, now is the best time because later on that valuation isn't going to be possible. So, and that happened with us too. So there were investors who we started speaking to at the beginning of our round who waited until the end of the round and they got a higher valuation. Um, <laughs> and, the first, and the first one we had started speaking to them about. Um, and I think what's really interesting is in general, and that's why this is a really exciting period in tech, is because of the recent activity that's been happening with, with um, the Paystack acquisition and then the flood wave billion dollar valuation and then a lot of other raises that have been happening. Um, right now, African FinTech, specifically West African FinTech, specifically FinTech in Nigeria, um, but technology, the tech industry in general, but a lot of the activity has been in FinTech is really hot right now. Um, and a lot of African investors, but now also global investors are really, really looking in, um, looking in um, into the ecosystem to look for opportunities. And so I definitely say that like, if you are starting something up and thinking of, is this a good time to raise? It's a great time to raise. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and and I, I would say 2021 in general, this whole year, um, is an excellent time, especially because of the COVID restrictions. You have got an opportunity to raise funds remotely and over Zoom, and that's something that wouldn't have been. A lot of VCs weren't really open to that before. They want to meet you in person, but now the the, the rounds can get raised faster. Um, so I definitely recommend it. Wow, I can is dropping so much gems, and I feel like people in the comments probably ask questions and so this is where i say just in case you have any questions for Akan, please feel free to use the comment comment box yeah to drop your questions and he would definitely answer them so now i'm going to ask about documents because i'm sure that for you to have gotten funds from all these vcs what documents did you have you had to show something you had to have done some work so what exactly did you have to show what did you have your pitch deck or was in your pitch deck you know just a I know you can say everything, but give us like some tips and things that you had to, you know, your T's that you had to cross, the I's that you had to dot and all of that in terms of your documents. Sure. So I'd say I'll just, I'll work in sequence, right? Um, the first thing is unless you're a second time founder, and when I say second time, unless you've done something in the past that is so amazing and it could, it could have failed, but the point is, unless you 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 have a track record in the past you really want your business to exist legally so you want it to be registered at least in nigeria right um now many so before we even talk about documents i, I think the conversation i'm having now is just about prerequisites to even begin the conversation about fundraising yes. otherwise otherwise what will happen is when you start talking to vcs they'll be really interested then they'll ask you do you have this 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 and this you'll say no then they'll say bring it back and by the time you come back, the money that they, wouldn't, they wanted to deploy into you, they might have deployed it somewhere. <laughs> they might have deployed it somewhere. Right. So you want to make sure you're registered. You're incorporated in Nigeria. Now, this is not legal advice or financial advice. Talk to an actual lawyer or talk to other founders. Decide what you want to do. But my sense and my understanding is that many VCs, because their funds are not housed in Africa, in bank accounts on the African continent, their funds are usually housed in Europe or in the United States they, for practical reasons, like to be able to transfer the funds into an American bank account or into, into a bank account in Europe, in the UK or something, right? So everyone doesn't do it. I know there's been controversy about this kind of like on Twitter, uh, but you might want to strongly consider registering a US Delaware corporation, right? And then talking to a lawyer about how to make that practical for your business. Um, but um, we, we legally um, were, were a registered entity in, in the United States as well, and we were able to set up a, a U.S. bank account. Um, there's, there's a startup called Mercury, right? Um, just Google Mercury Startup Banking. Um, they don't, and like you can open a bank account from them remotely from Nigeria without having to travel to the U.S. They don't accept, and it's an application, so it's not 100% guaranteed that um, you'll be approved, but it's awesome if all of this exists, right? Um, if you can't get all of this done, at the bare minimum, register in Nigeria, 
open a corporate bank account with the Nigerian bank and um, open a, a, a domiciliary account, right? And now these days, there are startups like Brass and Wallets um, that allow you to that make the, the corporate bank account opening process even easier, right? Mm -hmm. um, so, so you might go, you might check them out to get them started. If you notice, I like plugging other startups in the ecosystem. Yeah. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so once all of that is out of the way, then in, to, to pitch, I would say there, there, there are really like two documents you need. Um, and I, it helps to have both just so you can provide whatever the, the investor needs. So the first is a pitch deck, right? Um, pitch deck, it can be like five slides, right? Um, you know, kind of what... What, your, what problem you're solving, what your solution is, maybe one or two slides that explain how, explains how it works, then you can talk about what the business model is if it isn't self-evident, and then maybe say something about like your customer acquisition strategy or your plan to expand, something like that. Um, I found that the pitch deck in general is, is, is less important than the narrative you build around it, and it's usually just to provide people something with a visual to look at when you're sharing your screen and pitching. The second thing you want to provide is you can call it an executive summary, you can call it a memo, you can call it a one-pager. Basically, it's a one-page document that takes what's in the pitch deck and just outlines it, right? So summary, um, you know, and, and I think um, Ingressive, you guys had shared an excellent template with me a couple months ago mm -hmm. um, for, for, for an executive summary. So I'm sure we can maybe share like a Google Drive link or something for people to, to get that, but um, yeah, a pitch deck or, or a one-pager. Um, I think that is reasonable for anyone to ask you for. Um, at that very early stage, when people start asking for projections, 12-month um, projections, I mean, now, <laughs> now if someone, if I was starting all over again or starting a brand new company and someone asked me for projections, I'd probably like deprioritize the conversation with them um, and prioritize other conversations ahead. And then when I had time or was less irritated <laughs> by the request, then I would put everything together and respond to them. Just because if your business is one month, two months, three months old, if you're still figuring things out, you don't know um, what, what, you can't make those kinds of projections. What you can do in place of projections is demonstrate that you understand what the core drivers of your costs are and what the core drivers of your revenue are, right? So for example, um, at Evolve Credit, um, our core cost centers are um, digital marketing, team costs, so salaries for the team, and um, kind of like hosting costs, associated hosting costs, right? And maybe some, some, some legal fees. Right um, now, if you're putting together a projection, a shell projection, don't think don't think too hard about it. Like, oh, this thing needs to be accurate. Just say, okay, these are my main cost centers. Put them in the cost part. Then your main revenue drivers, depending on what your business are, your main revenue drivers. Let's say it's a general, it's like a standard subscription business. It might be something like number of. Um, number of clicks to website would be the top line. Then the second line would be number of subscriptions. So that's conversions, right? So in between that, you would have a line that calculates percentage conversions, right? So if 30% if of people convert or if 50% people convert, that's what your conversion line is. Then you multiply your, your subscriptions by how much you're charging. So the investor knows, okay, this guy understands that what makes him money, well, what makes him money is the price of his product times the number of people who subscribe and number of people who subscribe is determined by the number of people who click on his website. Cool, got it. So your projections will look something like that. And even you, when you're now building the, the projections, you'll feel less um, annoyed that you're being asked for such a detailed thing because, and the reason it's annoying, I don't want anyone to get me wrong, the reason it's annoying is because anything that takes you away from actually building your business as a founder is annoying, right? So things that feel like paperwork, things that feel like reporting, um, especially at that very early stage when you're trying to strategize, feel annoying, at least to me, 
and I would. I, they, <laughs> they should feel known to you too. So those those two documents you can. But but I, if someone asks you for projections, answer them. Make the projections. Um, send them through. Um, I had people ask me. So when when you get through to um, when someone wants to give you money, they'll do what they call due diligence. Um, and the due diligence is making sure that a lot of the things you said during your pitch um, are actually real. So, <laughs> so the due <laughs> diligence is, is when they'll ask for all the legal documents. It's when they'll ask for, if you, if you told them you've been making money, you've been making revenue, they might ask mm -hmm. for that. If you told them you have um, X, Y, and Z big customer, you have bank partnership and whatever, they might mm -hmm. ask to see... Um, they might ask to see what the partnership looks like, you know? Um, so, uh, but I, I would say when, by the time you get to that stage, uh, you'll have other people around who'll be able to help you put those documents together. But I'd recommend um, a format that works really well. Put everything in, an, in a Google sheet, right? Have one column that has a title of everything. Create a Google Drive, Google folder drive, put it in a Google folder drive, turn the sharing to anyone can anyone with the link can see copy those links and put it in the spreadsheet so whenever anyone asks you for anything <laughs> just copy the link to that sheet and send them and tell them that you can find what you're looking for and click it there this obviously this is coming from months of like once <laughs> <laughs> um, getting confidence now <laughs> well i mean we're still learning and we're evolve credit is still very early stage. We're still figuring a lot of things out. We're only, we're just trying now talking about raising our seed and there are companies in the ecosystem that are talking about series A and looking at series B. So we're still a baby in this, but um, <laughs> I, I, I would say, yeah, save yourself the trouble and make, make a power spreadsheet. Um, there wow. was a question. Yeah, there are actually loads of questions here and I'm going to go to them. I mean, mm -hmm. someone here is saying, Thanks a lot, I can, I can imagine. You've been dropping gems all through. I mean, Queen, Queen Net Kachi agrees with me that you've been dropping gems. Um, yeah, Faith also is quoting you saying 2021 is a great time to raise. Thank you for telling us. <laughs> and then John here is saying, okay, I'll connect with you. And he answered his first question. So yeah, the question we have here now is from Queen Net. And she says, what triggered your confidence in what you're building to say, oh, it's time to approach investors? Um, well, I, I wouldn't say the confidence is what made me approach investors. I just say it was necessity. So when you've been, uh, when you've been working on something that you think could be worth a billion dollars someday, right um and you want to shorten the amount of time between now and when it's worth that billion dollars mm -hmm. um you know that you can't necessarily grow sustainably this and again this is my personal opinion right you need you need um an abnormal injection of outside cash to make certain things possible otherwise you just be starting a regular business that grows traditionally over 20, 30 years, and then, you know. Um, but the reason why startups are so hot and have huge valuations and raise so much money is the idea that in five years, you could be worth a billion dollars, or in 10 years, you could be worth multiple dollars. Um, or in four years, you could sell your entire business for $200 million. Um, and usually to make that happen, you should have received some additional. So we, we, we were ready to now, um, we needed more resources. We needed to hire we needed to be able to attract better talent and pay them well, or as well as we could. And we didn't have the money to do that. And so that's what got us thinking about raising. Also, you know, it's, so it's half practical, or I would say it's two thirds practical and one third also. Um, and and th th this is me just talking straight. It's also like one third, like cosmetic and signaling, right? So if you bootstrap, for 24 months and you don't raise any money then no one knows who you are the investors don't know who you are other founders don't know who you are sure some customers might know who you are but like how quickly are you going to grow right and i think 
it's I don't I'm not here to talk about whether it's sustainable or whether it's right or whether it makes business sense. <laughs> I'm here to talk about like how the game works in in tech, in in VC backed tech, um, where the focus is on growth and scaling, and how it works is people people really need to know who you are, um, and one of the fastest ways for that to happen is to raise some money um, from strong firms because the firms will announce it. People now know. Customers, potential customers, will now hear about you. And the signal, right? So you can imagine, let's say, like a new competitor comes into the market to compete with Bolt in Nigeria, and they're a Nigerian ride-hailing company. If they receive $10 million from some investor, and it's like a huge announcement, all, their, all of us will go and start downloading their app, right? Um, <laughs> as opposed <laughs> as opposed to if we just like saw one of their ads on our Instagram, we'd just yeah. be like, ah, how can you compete with Bolt? <laughs> <You know? laughs> so so it's, 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 it was some of that too. It was the realization that like, hey, we're building, we're building the plane as we're flying it and we're telling people the plane is going to Disneyland. We don't really know how <laughs> we're going But if we want people to buy tickets and get on this plane now, right? We should mm -hmm. probably... Um, that said, um, you know, again, there's nuance and there's subtlety and there's detail and you really need to look at your own situation um, and make the best decision for, for um, where we are bullish on the VC back route, right? That's the fastest way to scale um, is, is to make available and to raise um, but you might have a cash cow business that's just making loads of money from day one, right? In which case, raising money should be a purely straight. You should just gun for like the biggest investors um, just to get some stamps on your back and mm -hmm. pump up your, and, you know, like get some external validation from people outside your business. Yeah, thank you very much. You have, I can't stop saying it, it's gems upon gems and so much learning to do from you. And I think you just talked about a very important thing, which is one important factor of having VCs backing you, which is actually the fact that it gives your business some morale and some kind of publicity, you know, when the future Africa and aggressive capital, people want to know more. What did he do different? What is he doing, you know? And it brings more eyes to your business. And I'm sure that they also help you with networking and all this good mm -hmm. stuff, help you even advance to the next stage. But then let me pick two more questions from the comments. I can see lots of questions because Akan has been dropping gems <laughs> and people want to know more. So I'm going to take two more questions because it's been one hour. Wow. Thank you very much, Akan. Thank you very much. So this question is from Faith. Um, does your company... Okay, sorry. The first one is from Clad Diff. I hope I pronounced that correctly. But then he says... How was your traction, revenue, users, and partners before raising money? Cool. Um, so I think that is, so most startups, when they raise a pre-seed, um, well, increasingly, it's now the case that when, uh, so most startups, when they raise pre-seed or pre-revenue, -pre and Evolve Credit was pre-revenue, um, I would say it used to be the case that even startups raising seed, seed round, um, could also be pre-revenue. Now that's beginning to shift. There's increasing pressure for startups to be making some kind of money somehow, or at least for the, for the, for the, for the revenue model to be very, very clear at the point that you're raising seed. So you don't have to have it all figured out when you, when you make your first raise. Our traction... And um, so at the time, like I said earlier, for those who just joined, our product was a point of sale product um, where we were giving people instant credit to make purchases from select merchants. So at the time that, at that time we had, there were about 40 stores, 40 merchants who accepted Evolve Credit as a payment method. Um, we had about 3,000, if I remember correctly, between three and 4,000 registered users. Um, um, uh, these were people who had downloaded our app and, and applied for credit. And I think we had dispersed, we had dispersed around $7,000 in, in, um, we had dispersed about $7,000 in, in, 
in in loans or in credit and i'm trying to do the conversion um but i can't <laughs> what time, but i think that that's something like um you know like three or four million naira thereabouts mm-hmm. um but uh yeah so that was that was where we were at um and then we had also we had also now built out a team so it was myself my co-founder And Jessica, are you still there? You yes, are. I'm still here. Uh, yeah, and 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 so I, I would say that that our traction, our traction was was um, if I were to, to rate us on a scale of on a ten point scale, I would say our traction was somewhere between maybe a six and a seven. So it wasn't great. Um, however, what we had what we raised on was the learnings. And so at that very early stage, especially if you're trying to do something new and something really innovative and potentially disruptive, right? Um, no one is really, at least in my experience, no one is really expecting you to have everything figured out, but they're interested to see like, well, how much could you get figured out, right? Um, how many users could you attract to use your service? Um, what kinds of partnerships were you able to get were you able to make any money? If yes, awesome, right? How much? Um, but mostly they want to understand what have you learned that is going to help you be successful moving forward, right? Um, and if, if the answer to that question is not really clear, or if the feeling is that this team still has too much to learn, then it'll be difficult to raise, right? But if is this team at this point has learned enough and has made enough mistakes and understands enough to for, for them to properly utilize um, a couple hundred thousand dollars to get to the next level and figure things out, then absolutely they'd be willing to make a bet. Um, and, and I think that the some of the very, very early investors we spoke to who passed on us passed because they felt that we weren't quite ready. We didn't quite have enough traction. Um, that said, um, to give you context also, I know, I know teams who have raised hundreds of thousands of dollars off like two weeks worth of work, you know, with no pitch deck, you, you know, you know what I mean? So, so I think, mm-hmm. um, focus, focus less on, oh, I need numbers and traction to impress investors. Don't, don't build for investors. If you build for investors, um, then uh, I think you'll, you're optimizing for the wrong thing. Instead, focus on building for your customers and adding value to them, right? If you build for them and focus on traction for them and features for them, you will succeed, get the traction, and attract the investors. Um, wow. And then there's here talking more about- questions, but we're just going to take one last one because... It's been an hour, and I feel like we can keep going and going because I kind of feel like a well of knowledge right now. So, guys, you can follow him on Instagram at Akan Nelson and his company, Evolve Credits. I'm correct, right? That's at Evolve. Okay, then. So, follow him, reach out to him to have more answers. So, just the last question here is Does your company valuation matter when trying to raise funds? That's from Fate. Um, so the short answer is yes, it does matter. Um, I think it matters more for African founders, I would say. Um, but the, the, the long answer and the reason why I think it matters more for us here on the continent is if you price your company too expensive, so if your valuation is too high, um, then you really won't be able to raise any funding, especially, and you won't be able to raise even if investors are interested in you. Because don't forget that the, the venture capital is also its own kind of business. And they have their own business models. And these business models might say that, um, a fund might say, we don't invest in deals where the valuation is more than $5 million at the time that we're coming in. 
because we are targeting 5% of every company we invest in, right? Mm -hmm. and, and so they, they, you know, so they might say, we write $200,000 checks, and because you write $200,000 checks, we are targeting companies that are valued at around $2 million because we want, we want to convert at somewhere around 10%, right? Because yeah. we expect, you know, so, so um, you don't want to price yourself out of the range of certain investors. That said, I mean, there's the kind of numbers and the kind of traction and the kind of revenue you would have, even at that very early stage, that then you just say, this is, this is our valuation, <laughs> right? <laughs> You know, and I uh, and you just it, I think it depends on. So there, there's the efficient market. The VCs will decide what you're worth anyway, because the ones who do disperse money to you will disperse it at, at a particular valuation. Um, however, you are allowed to say this valuation is too low. Right. Um, valuation is typically. So how do you calculate your valuation? Look at other companies doing similar things and what they were valued at when they were at your stage. So look at, look at other African companies who are similar. They might not even be similar, but just other African tech companies. And if you're friends with any of the founders and they're willing to share, ask them what they were valued at, at their different stages. That should give you a ballpark of what's possible. Um, I remember, I remember I were, our first check at, at our seed stage, at, at our pre-stage, um, I wanted to raise it at a particular valuation. And when I spoke to one of my peer advisors about it, he said, no way, that's not going to fly. It's impossible mm -hmm. to. We ended up raising it two times that initial valuation that I was talking to him about. Right. But, but the point is the deals that he had seen, right. And the perspective and context he had, that was way too high, you know? Um, so it, it really, it really, I think I would say it really depends. Um, but you calculate valuation. Um, if you're if you're if you're revenue generating, you can 10x your revenue. But that'll usually give you a number that's too low in the very beginning because at, at the very beginning, all of these calculations don't the models don't work, right? Um, the, but I, how how how, would, how I would close this conversation around valuations? I would say that in Africa, if you're starting a tech company now, you're very early, right? Because is very young um, and so you'll probably be undervaluing your company anyway right so i'd say just give anyone like 20 of your business right but do be willing to to sacrifice you know a couple hundred thousand dollars off the top of your valuation to get the investors in pave the way for others coming in behind you and know that, look, if, if your business is going to be one of the, the next African unicorns, it doesn't, it's not going to matter at that size anyway, right? Like, fundamentally, at the end of the day, um, if your company's worth a billion dollars and you're exiting, um, the difference between 0.5 or 1% or 2%, it, it would be a lot in monetary terms, but a smaller amount of a really massive pie that was yeah. possible because those initial investment funds is much better than a big amount of an imaginary pie, <laughs> right? Um, because yeah. no one's valuation or a pie that doesn't even exist because really? your business, because you weren't able to get external support. Um, yeah, but like I said, this is not legal advice or financial advice. I just, I like to talk in ways that I would have liked people to talk to me when I was first starting out. Um, and so that's how I talk. And I believe that you've done so well. I mean, everyone who's part of this most definitely have learned something that they can use to know to become better at raising funds from VCs and just getting money. Actually, I mean, I feel like if we continue, you would we would we would talk about so many things, but <laughs> we have to come to the end. And so this is the end of today's episode of How I Got Funded with Akan. But then, just before I go, or we go. Akan, do you have any last words for anyone who's just starting looking for funds? Like, what's that one-line advice you'd give right now? The one-line advice I'd give is just keep going. Just keep going. Just keep going forward. It gets better. And um, support yourself. 
don't expect other people to support you. Support yourself. Yeah, that's what that's what I would say. Like you you need to support <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you very much for joining me today to do this. Um, please, will you put the link to the templates? Be there. Um, don't worry. I will be sure to put that somewhere. Make sure you're following Ingressive Capital to get that. But then, thank you very much, Atan. Uh, this is going to be available for anyone who probably is just joining. It's going to be on the feed and also it's going to be made into a podcast that you can listen to later on. And of course, if you want to reach out to Akan, follow him on Instagram, on Twitter. I think it's the same thing, Akan Nelson. And also check out his company, Evolve Credits. And yay! So we have come to the end. And this is where I say bye-bye and have a great Friday. Bye. Right, cheers. Guys. Thanks for having us. Bye. <laughs>